0: This is T.D.P.S.
1: Eric! Yes, Christopher? Are you sick of doing promos for my new books yet? That depends. Are we at the beach? Yes, we're at Sapphire Cove, the fictional Southern California resort featured in my new gay romance series coming in 2022. This is alarming. When did we go outside? You were transported by the powerful prose of C. Travis Rice. That's my new pen name devoted to steamy and emotional tales of romance between men.
0: Yeah, no, that's not it. I was about to eat a sandwich in the studio and now I'm being harassed by seagulls.
1: Brandon, get rid of the seagulls, please. Oh, that's much better. Now I have to pee. First, pre-order your copy of Sapphire Sunset, the first installment in the Sapphire Cove series, which goes on sale March 1st, 2022, from Blue Box Press when a new member of the resort security department falls hard for the nephew of the wealthy family that owns the place, sparks fly, and sexy scandal ensues at Sapphire Cove. Uh, Yeah, could you pre-order that for me? I'm going to run to the little podcaster's room.
0: Brandon, come get this seagull.
1: I can't help it if my writing Uh, sets the uh, scene.
0: I know what I'm going to set if someone doesn't come get this seagull. Where'd you get that sandwich?
1: Sapphire Sunset, the first book in the Sapphire Cove series from C. Travis Rice. Now available for pre-order. Eric. Yes, Christopher? Have you been to my website lately? Why would I go to your website? You're sitting right here. Well, it's the place to find out all about my new books. <laughs> ChristopherRiceBooks.com. This ad did not go as planned. This was an ad. Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw-Quinn. And you're listening to TDPS Presents Christopher. And Eric. And uh, I hate that I have to say this, it's it's sort of true, but it's kind of always true, it's an election season. Oh my God, it's always election season. Right? It's always election season. I am so tired
0: of politics, I just want them to, like get elected and then go do their jobs get back to work i am sick of you fundraising and social mediaing and mm-hmm. making constant conversation social
1: mediaing and
0: going and saying crazy shit to that idiot at um meet the press or any of the rest of it (laughs) just sick of it just shut the fuck up and get back to work that's my attitude i just feel like there's a lot of things that are wrong in this country and a lot of stuff that needs to be fixed and running around like your hair's on fire talking about crazy bullshit and who's going to what bathroom is not the way to get shit fixed.
1: but let me tell you that here's the thing and i forgot the thing right because i made too many noises before i started talking (laughs) But it, what? Here's what I think we need to fix: the fact that we are always in an election. Like, like this can't be how everybody does well, it. Well, the British, I think, have the best sort of system. They what do they do? Apparently, have like I, I'm
0: not British and not speaking as an authority. But, but you
1: live there briefly.
0: Yeah, long enough for us not to be able to elect a president <laughs> at the turn of the century. I was in living in London during the time period where you all could not decide whether Al Gore or uh, – <laughs> George W. Bush was the fucking president you of the United States. You all, like, States. you
1: renounced your citizenship. Well,
0: I wasn't a part of it. I mean, yeah. like, what What was I gonna do about it? Um, and so everywhere I went, as soon as they heard my fucking accent, they would be like, oh, do you, do you need for us to come back and take over for you? Yes, like, absolutely. You don't seem to be able to run your own country. You can't even pick your own. I was like, okay, that's...
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Fast forward to Brexit. But anyway, that's another story. Right. right. Like, fast forward to Shit. David fucking Cameron. Right, um, totally. Idiot. Mm-hmm. Anyway,
0: um, the um, I think that I think that they they limit the length of the election period.
1: Oh, okay. That there's
0: only a certain amount of time that they can do all that bullshit. It's right. like, I, and I don't know how long it is. I think it's like eight or nine weeks. It's not protracted. It's not two years of running for fucking office, mm-hmm. which I think is. Why it always seems to us that they're they they seem sort of surprised when they have to decide who's going to be the next prime minister. Why are they so surprised? Well, I think it's because they don't really they they haven't been running for five years. You know oh, what I mean? Okay. Like Liz Liz Cheney is running for president in at least twenty twenty four, or you very possibly. So. You believe oh, so? Oh, yeah. I'm absolutely certain of it. Yeah. Um, which you know, good. I hope. She, I would love to see she and shitbag on the debate stage, even though I would not in a million years watch one of their debates, um, Mm. arguing about stuff because somebody needs to call him down for his lies and his bullshit, and I would love for it to be somebody from his own party. Absolutely. Anyway. Anyway. Anywho. They don't do that. I think they have elections, like general elections, like every five years, but, but they also can, the Prime Minister can call for another election. I'm not sure exactly how that works, and you know then once the new majority in in because it's parliamentary their mm-hmm. system they don't have a president they have a prime minister who is one of the elected members of parliament it's like what right. if Nancy Pelosi was president
1: oh how interesting you know like yeah. they
0: elect the officials and then the officials elect their leader because mm-hmm. from the majority of that whoever won the majority of the seats and then that's the that's who runs the country and right i think that's uh, again you know feel free to correct me. I am not an authority on um, what So it's but even when they do it, it is a less protracted process and they mm-hmm. are surprised like, God, I didn't think there was that one period after they accidentally got Brexit and that another idiot move from David Idiot Cameron mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> put it out for election not knowing that he was going, going to lose and threw them all into chaos and then quit. Mm -hmm. Um, That was brave. Um, Fearless leader. Courage of your convictions, huh? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then nobody wanted the... Flaming bag of shit that, be, <laughs> that they had left at their own door. Um, yes. So, yeah, so it wound up being what
1: was her name? Maggie Mae Marjorie.
0: Theresa, Theresa May. Did you
1: see the Saturday Night Live skit where Kate McKinnon played Theresa May? She was trying to do a British script Christmas special, and all the presents that had been sent to her were feces. And David Cameron would come on, and That's Matt so Damon played David Cameron. He says, "Well, have you tried?" Uh, and it was all things that, of course, she had yeah. tried. You know, yeah. yeah, it was it was a nightmare. And I, I got to, I learned that. Um, and then, gonna- as soon
0: as the the flame was out right on the back, they got rid of her.
1: Right. They got rid of her. She and was just
0: wh- but there where to is receive now? all the- What's the deal with Brexit now? I just think that they've- I think they have talked it so far along that they've just- That everybody's like, oh yeah, we probably
1: should do something about that. I yeah. don't really- Like nobody Everything wanted it after they did about, it. was about- All I heard about it was about the Irish backstop, Right. Which was a, a trucking issue, right? That or how or how were they going to get goods to Ireland? If if anyway you take over, no, I don't it know.
0: wasn't about how they were going to get goods to Ireland. It was how they were going to manage the border between Northern Ireland and Ireland, mm. because Ireland is not did not reject Brexit. Ireland yes. is not part of the U. Of, of, Let's hear it for our people, right? And the Northern Ireland is part of Britain or UK or however nice. they break it up, but like it's so the, that border has suddenly become. A different thing than when there was you know they were all part of the eu right goods could just go back and forth and now are they stopped do they have to pay extra taxes Does northern ireland subject to paying double for everything they buy oh, because it's being Christ. imported from a foreign country even though it's just coming from you know right over there from a place they can actually see from their yeah. from their house um yeah. yeah that was complicated
1: yeah um and clearly we don't know where it currently stands, so I'm so glad I brought it up so that I we could hold really, forth I on really it. I really
0: have no idea. They have said <clears throat> two or three times with great conviction that, by God, at this point it absolutely has to, and I don't know if they ever decided. Like, then COVID happened and they just sort of, like, That's stopped talking about it. That's the sense that I got. It.
1: Like, COVID happened and everyone was, that would just be way too difficult when the world is ending to do Brexit, so we're just going to not. So we're we're going to pretend gonna, like it didn't happen. We're going
0: to just stop talking about it and hope everybody forgets they voted for that because they were idiots to do yeah. it in the first place. Totally. Don't don't know. I really, honestly, don't know. It could already be in place. I have no idea.
1: Okay, so today's episode is a risky one because so it could. Potentially... I guess what you're saying
0: is that their system isn't necessarily all that much better than I, I
1: think that's what you're saying, even though it's not actually what you set up at the well, beginning of. This. What I
0: was saying was, I want our, I want everybody to just shut up and get back to work. That's what I want. Yes. I am sick of hearing. I don't care what Marjorie Taylor Greene ever says ever again for the rest of her life. Okay, and but you somebody know, puts a plastic you, bag over her you head. You know
1: what's happening. This is what's happening with the Marjorie Taylor Greens of the world. There is one reason we know about Marjorie Taylor Greene, and it's Twitter, it's social media. Because what used to happen is that if you were nobody from a very small district, you would have to go to Congress and you would have to earn a reputation for actually doing something. And it may not be passing legislation that I agreed with or liked, but there was a seniority system in place for a reason. You actually had to achieve something. Now you can just be an idiot on social media and get all this white hot attention around you and suddenly you're famous and you have nothing to your name. And well, I know there are examples on the left that are ex- I'm going to take. Thing. I'm going to take it one step further
0: and I'm yeah. not going to say that the fault is social media because not that many people are actually on social media. What I'm going to say is the fault is media. Yes, that's very true. The, the, the actual mainstream media in this country has landed us – in a really fucked up mess, and they refuse to accept or acknowledge their part in it or to take a more responsible but approach to it. If you stop covering people like Sarah Palin, they go away.
1: If you stop covering people like Marjorie Taylor Greene, she disappears back onto Twitter where nobody sees her. But here's the thing, too. I will combine our two points. The, the problem with social media is it makes— these people easy for media media to cover because they just cobble together a bunch of random tweets into oh, an article.
0: lazy bad reporting? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. That's exactly what I'm saying is going on. I am so sick of lazy bad reporters acting like the problem is all Marjorie Taylor Greene when the problem is you keep covering Marjorie Taylor Greene. There are actually probably people in Congress who I would like to hear from. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And all they cover are these crazy, loudmouth, lunatic social media, whatchamacallit. It's like How many people are in the Senate and how often do we hear about Ted Cruz? Like I just have to think that there are people with better points and more responsible attitudes about governance than that asshole. And yet how often do I hear about him Mm -hmm. as opposed to everybody else? I think that is bad, lazy journalism. And it's driven by that
1: sort of social media It's driven by outrage clicks, and I can be as guilty of that as anybody else. It's like you go for people who – the allure is that they they rile you up and you get so outraged that you feel like you are clarifying your own point of view as you experience your anger of them. And it it becomes an addiction, and I'm guilty of it because like, I love on certain days – When I'm frustrated with the way the world works or I'm avoiding my own work, I love to hate Marjorie Taylor Greene because she's so exquisitely and purely stupid and everything that I hate. But I think as you have pointed out on our show many, many times, Do that too much and you've created the next Donald Trump.
0: Absolutely. absolutely. I I think um, Jeb Bush would be president or would have at least been the candidate for president from that party if the mainstream media had been willing to cover him and stopped covering Donald Trump, who was just telling a bunch of lies, albeit they were ones that people want to hear. But he's lost twice by millions of votes and only got elected the time they got elected by a statistical anomaly that happened in a few counties in – you know, the upper middle section of the country. And mm-hmm. I feel bad about that and I really hated going through that. But the people most responsible for that were the people who would not stop covering every single word out of his mouth. I'm tired of hearing from him. And they, I would like to hear from, from somebody with some actual solutions and who actually wants to talk about governance.
1: On the As a result of the recent Mar-a-Lago raid— On the day of Biden's biggest legislative accomplishment, arguably so far, which was the Inflation Reduction Act, all people were talking about was Donald fucking Trump.
0: All the media was talking about was Donald fucking Trump. Yeah. Like, once again, convict him or not, but I'm tired of hearing about it. Mm -hmm. Stop amplifying. Like, but do you know who it is who's suing um, the FBI for them to open the... Whatever it is, the affidavit, which the FBI and the uh, Department of Justice is saying, we don't want to do that right now because it, because right. we're in the middle of the investigation and we don't want to queer the deal before we're done with it. You should forgive the expression. Mm-hmm. And um, and the media is suing them right. to reveal what's in it. And I don't think we need to know right now. And I think what we ought to be talking about is, wow, the most amazing climate change legislation um, that we've ever passed and gas prices are down and inflation is yeah. down and employment is up and mm-hmm. prescription drugs are going to be negotiated by Medicare now. And like the, it, there's this amazing set of stuff that's happening and they don't want to cover it because mm-hmm. gas bag said some other stupid ass thing. I'm really tired of that. And so it's the mainstream media. Yeah, I think true. that's causing You're the absolutely problem. Right.
1: You're absolutely right. But Oh, so what is your media consumption like? I mean I, I know this, but tell the tell the party people. Your media you don't you don't just click on a lot of news stories on the internet. You have dedicated news sources that you go look to at that the are New York doing Times what you first, want.
0: New, first every, every morning is right. the New York Times and LA Times. And then, you know, in the evenings. I used to watch Rachel and I finally she's kinda gone away anyway. So yeah, really I have pretty much stopped with that. Um, I will look at um, national news in the evening to see and again they're as bad or worse than anybody but Mm -hmm. I kind of want a sense of what like I I do this thing when I'm watching the national news in the evening and I think I count how many stories it is before we get to something that I think is actually news right yeah Like, this is your opinion and this is a thing and this is a speculation and, oh, wow, there was a terrible tornado and people were killed or, oh, wow, there was – this has happened or, Mm -hmm. oh, wow, this country was invaded or, oh, wow, wow, there's actually a news story. Like, I don't care what anybody thinks about it. I am Mm -hmm. so sick of everybody's opinion of everything. Like, tell me what actually happened and then shut the fuck up.
1: During the Nixon administration, it was Pat, uh, uh, Pat Buchanan, right, who may be unknown to a lot of younger people who are listening to our podcast. Um, he, dis- he was part of this architect of this media movement where they were going to flood the op- opinion editorial pages of the newspapers with their own sort of right-wing pundits because they could not be fact-checked. If you're writing an editorial, it's your opinion. And so the rise of opinion journalism was about introducing blatant untruths into the media, into the news media, front and center. And the center of the Washington Post homepage is the clickbait opinion editorial headlines, which are always alarmist. They're always inflammatory. They're always designed to get a reaction. I usually only read—that's not true. I, I veer. But the thing I try to focus in on is the opinion from the editorial desk because it's written with some depth and some nuance, and it's when the editors of the whole page get together and come up with, like, a position paper. That can be interesting. But it, is, it, it has taken over the media. You know, like it is we've gone from I wasn't alive in the age of Walter Cronkite, but we've gone from any a sense that we trusted a single news source to deliver the facts in an objective way to a five talking head panel filling our TV screens where the point is for all of those people to yell and scream at each other. It's like Crossfire one Crossfire, which was felt like more of an oddity in the in the 80s Pat and De 90s Cannon's which is invitation exactly be, became the norm became the norm and even when it's four people who are supposed to be agreeing with each other it's still about whipping up some kind of frenzy over something that's opinion based <laughs> Okay, so we were talking about pitting people against each other earlier and so today we're going to pit we're gonna let the party people pit the two of us against each other. Yeah, that's um, that's really gonna be <laughs> like we need them to be pit against each other. No, I'm just kidding. I love you, Eric Shaw Quinn. you're my best friend. Yeah, I, I don't think
0: we could have been doing all of the stuff we've been doing as long as we've been doing it if we didn't get along as well as we do.
1: We really do get along. We get along is... like
0: Keith Richards and Mick Jagger.
1: Yes, indeed. <laughs> I
0: guess they must get along. They have been together for how long now? My God. I know. Will we still be doing this when
1: we're but 90 years old? Uh, I don't know, but I think we should write a song about it. What's that? When I'm 64? What's that song? Yeah, that's the Beatles. The Beatles. Okay. Will you still need me? Will you
0: still heed me when I'm 64? 64, I kind of already am, so next year, we'll see. (laughs) I'll ask you again next year. All right, that's enough.
1: The question is this. Wow. The question is this. Christopher gets strict. The question is this. Which TDPS host do you think would make a better president and why, Christopher or Eric? <laughs> so why Christopher or Eric? we got a lot of responses. No, Christopher or Eric, which one would be better? And if I'm reading these in aggregate accurately, they all start out with, well, you both have excellent qualities, but... Dun, 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 dun. It's for Gene Siska who says, this sounds like an episode of Scandal.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was never able to right. last
1: with scandal. Uh well, I love her. Uh um okay, but like let, let's let's focus here. W- what was your reaction when you found out that I had posted this question on the Facebook page without consulting <laughs> consulting you first? I was like well, I was like all right. Well, let's find Clearly, out. Clearly I'm people. the vet, I'm going to win.
0: Well, I was curious to see who people would pick. Based on having a pretty good idea of who we both are, I was like yeah. Hmm, I wonder what people will think based on because you would never know, oh what's some power the gifty ge us to see ourselves as others see us. You know, like mm. it's it's like, okay, well maybe I think that actually I think I'd be a terrible
1: president. <laughs> I was gonna say let's let's get I our, would be the let's worst platform. I would
0: be the worst president ever. I do not have the patience for it. Oh, okay. I do not I there is just I just wouldn't put up with a lot of stuff. Like, I always say to my friends, there would be a lot of smoking craters (laughs) in the world if my fingers were on the buttons. I just don't think that I'm patient enough Mm. to be president. I'm saying that right up front. I mean, uh, warning, do not elect me. I don't think I can be because I was a dual citizen. Uh, Well, you were born in Germany. Yeah. I had a German birth certificate to begin with and had to become a – so I'm only a naturalized citizen of this country. Although, Mm. I think John McCain was a naturalized citizen. Into this country, yeah, I don't and know if that's ran, so an issue. I don't know if that's true or not, but like Arnold Schwarzenegger couldn't run because he was Austrian, and I think I was German, and so I don't think I could run. I, my parents were both American, so I don't know how that works, but— I don't think so. I think that I'm not qualified; wouldn't be allowed to run anyway. But I really think that's for the best. I really. Like,
1: <laughs> so this is your platform speech. My is, platform is please, vote,
0: please vote for my opponent because I just think I would be a terrible. Also, you're very detail oriented and oh, like. Thank you. You could do. You could do better follow up, but you'd have good. Su- <laughs> you could. You'd have better support staff. I forgot
1: about France. Oh yeah, oh, what about that? Oh that war that we were going to... Oh, oh war war? Oh, I just loved all those graphics. I worked yeah, so hard on Yeah, Christopher will those. call me
0: and go, okay, six months ago, somebody emailed me about and I'm like, oh, God, here we go. Um, <laughs> a
1: kidney. They need a kidney, but I don't know if they're still around, but anyway, should I give so, them one?
0: So, yeah, but with, as president, you'd have a lot of people to keep up with those kinds of uh, details for you and right. maybe a calendar. That would also be good. Um, I have a
1: calendar. I have a calendar
0: here on my phone. <laughs> I love phone. how he's looking around. Uh, <laughs> I have a calendar. calendar? Yeah. Go but ahead. like those are like, but other, but I think you're. In transit, keeping up with the tail would be... If it was just down to the two of us, honestly, I don't think either of us
1: should be president. I really don't. I think that's I think why it's a be, great question. I think, I think, we, think we would both be terrible, terrible presidents. But I would be worse. But I'm a bridge builder, really. And I think that... <laughs> Put those eyebrows back down, Eric Shaw Quinn. <laughs> They're going to fly off your
0: head. It would involve you leaving your house and talking to other people, Christopher. You can be
1: the – look, Biden had to stay in that room when he had COVID. I can president that way. Yeah, for the entire term? (laughs) I don't think it would be a very long term. I think I would be impeached, actually impeached, not like halfway impeached (laughs) like Donald Trump and Clinton. I think I would be like, really, you need to go. Um, Yeah, we're just – I just don't think we're the – I don't think we have the personality for it. I okay. Just, I don't yeah. It's a lot of um I think what I might be able to do is be queen. You know, like not the oh, uh, that, I would be great at that. Oh, ceremonial I think you would be terrible.
0: Ceremonial at that. stuff, showing but up listen, for ceremonial stuff listen, in a hat.
1: Oh uh, my God, but, I'd be amazing. But here's the thing. Okay, here's the thing. I'm going to tell you because you know I have kind of an obsession with Queen Mary, right? Who was George's wife, the sort of German matriarch of the royal house oh, of Windsor. Oh,
0: so you're talking about you would be a good queen at the turn of last no, century. No, no,
1: no, no. I'm going to quote something which is a I, I, I mark against you as queen. You can't have an op- every opinion, every emotional expression that you make is interpreted as either an endorsement or um, disapproval of something. And her thing was always, that's why you cannot show your feelings as a matriarch, because you cannot be seen to be approving or disapproving of anything mm-hmm. outside of royal protocol. And I don't know if you know this, but you are very opinionated, and you have a face on which all of your opinions dance and take expression. And I'm just saying, you would give a look as Queen and cause an international incident. Like, <laughs> you to look at Queen
0: Elizabeth when I, she goes places. She is just... I think I could, but mm-hmm. I also think I am more than capable of doing... I even, when we first, when we were first being friends, I used to talk to you about having the completely (laughs) non, the the non committal face. The just, I'm hearing this and I am just hearing this and Mm -hmm. I'm not going to have a visible reaction to it because that will cause a problem. I think I could actually be really good at that.
1: Yeah. I'm a good actor. Well, let's see what Rob Casey thinks. He says, it's so hard to pick. (laughs) <laughs> Let's dodge this question with a party person response. He says, We're both amazing. But this is Rob speaking. Now, my first thought was I'd pick Eric. <laughs> He seems like he can read a room and a person well. He'd navigate the myriad of personalities in politics well. Wow, Rob has not met you. He seems like he'd see through any bullshit. That is very true. However, you're both such a great team. You complement one another's strengths so you'd have each other's backs. I can see each of you stepping up to support each other's next strengths and weaknesses to help... Each other be the best at their position. Quinn Rice is the ticket. Oh, okay, thank you, Rob. It's a bit of a that's out, that's, that's
0: really not. yeah that's that's very um, <laughs> that's very what's it And I would just like to say on uh-huh. the final topic of the who'd be the better Queen. <coughs> no,
1: I'm sorry, we've moved
0: on. I, Christopher like uh, once got so angry that he broke his own teeth. <laughs>
1: But that's very royal because it was holding it all in, and no oh, one yeah. could see my teeth. Nobody
0: could see you, your teeth shattering if yeah. they were looking at you. <laughs> it on, was. It was, just didn't happen to be
1: in public view. It was not my teeth plural. It was a veneer on one of my front teeth, and it was replaceable. And I cracked it, and it was. I was. I was really angry, and yeah. it was about Donald Trump. I think. And
0: you're you get pretty expressive, so like yeah. I would
1: like. I know, no, I I, whatever. It's fine. We would both be terrible at all of these things. And the moral of this episode is:
0: I'd be much better at being Queen uh, Margaret. (laughs) That's not the moral, (laughs) Princess Margaret. (laughs) Yes,
1: Princess Margaret. (laughs) You are Princess Margaret.
2: (laughs) Sup, bitches. I'm Jordan Ampersand, and I'm running for some kind of office that's going to be important and give me a lot of power over you, which you're going to like because I'm hot and stylish and all the other candidates are boring and old. When I'm elected, I'll do whatever I want because this election is about me. Not a bunch of boring tissues. And cut. What is it now? Oh, I thought that was perfect. That's what I keep telling you, Eric Shaw Quinn. You really are. So let's just
0: go over a few talking points. Ugh, again? And we get to give the party people a chance to get to know you, the candidate. So tell us why you're running.
2: Because not only am I fierce, I'm the force. But not in like a nerdy Star Wars way. And what's the office you're running for again? President of California. That's right. And why did you pick that office in particular? Because California doesn't have a governor like other states. It has a president. Duh. That's like Mimics 101. Uh, So here are the deets, hookers. I want to bring you all up to my level, but I don't have time to come up with a political polyform. Platform. Right. That. So when I sat down for a few seconds to think of my political ambitions, I realized I wanted to win an election, but I didn't want to actually do an election. Know what I mean, kidney bean? So I made a list of my oldest, meanest friends, because I figured they'd be the ones to know about boring political stuff like policies and laws and whatever, and Eric Shaw Quinn's name was at the top. Oh, dear. We're friends. If I win, bitch. (sighs) Something else to look
0: forward to. Why don't you tell the party people where your first campaign stop is? Beautiful Orange County. And what does everyone in Orange County love? Higher
2: taxes. And what should you say when they bring up Ronald Reagan? He was a child molester. Excellent. And then where are you off to? It's a political party circuit tour through the Great Central Valley, where the topic will be farms. What's up? Why are we still doing this? We have food at the store wonderful i still think it's weird that i'm not going to any of the big cities though
0: well we wanted to expose you to those parts of the state where you haven't already exposed yourself
2: but i should have musical acts with me or something did you call beyonce i
0: did but we had a lot to discuss this week and we didn't get around to you
2: well that doesn't sound like a very good campaign manager remember
0: this is a very non-traditional campaign
2: guess. What about my security guards? Don't worry.
0: We hired some clowns to take care of you.
2: Don't call them that. We need them to do a good job.
0: I'm not kidding. They're actually clowns.
2: You think that's a good idea? I get death threats all the time. And for dumb shit, like that time I borrowed this guy's car. How was I supposed to know his kid was in the car seat? And I pulled all the way onto the shoulder when I ran out of gas, I mean, parked. I think clowns
0: are a wonderful idea. People are terrified of clowns, but they'll add a festive air to the event at the same time.
2: Eric Quinn, I'm getting a weird feeling
0: about this. Well, Jordan, it's like I always say to every willfully ignorant, dangerously underqualified, unhinged narcissist who's taken the election of Donald Trump and his tyrannical reign of cataclysmic incompetence and borderline treason as licensed to believe that they're their individual brand of idiocy and self-promotion somehow makes them suited to public office. Don't listen to your feelings. Listen to me. I'll take care of you.
2: All right. Well, you do seem kind of smart for an old guy. I am. I am
0: very smart.
2: Aren't you coming to Orange County with me? Oh,
0: No, I'll stay here and watch on
2: TV so you have the space to shine. I love that story for you. Okay, bye then. I'll see you when I'm president of California and all the not-cute people have to leave.
1: Later that evening in the TDPS media room... (coughs) Let's see how things went
0: in Orange County. This is Freck Artery, TVPS News, with a breaking story this hour out of Orange County, where a man claiming to be running for a non-existent political office has inspired a riot at the VFW Hall in Costa Mesa by claiming the late president, Ronald Reagan, was a child molester.
2: I didn't say he was a child molester. I just said he played one on TV.
0: (laughs) Excellent.
2: Stop arresting me. He has another foot, he'll be fine.
0: And it seems the fake candidate in question is none other than TDPS's own Jordan Ampersand, who was escorted out of our network holiday party one year after he attempted to throw a glass of champagne in my face when I informed him that climate change was not a term to describe quarters that had been left out in the cold. Reporting live from what's left of VFW Hall in Costa Mesa, this is Breck Artery. Good night and good dinner. Is there more tea?
1: I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. Do you have a question or comment about this podcast? Then come share it with us on our Facebook page at Facebook.com/slash the dinner party show, no spaces, and we'll do our best. To answer it on the show. Just watch out for our aggrieved manservant, Shea Butters. He moderates the page, and he's been known to talk smack about the two of us. Most of what he says about you is
0: true, though. We can discuss this later. That's right, at Facebook.com slash The Dinner
1: Party Show. No, I meant in the
0: car. Hi, I'm Eric Shaw Quinn, and I'd like to take a moment to congratulate my co-host and producing partner, Christopher Rice. He's got not one, but four new books coming out in 2022. What the hell was that? I think you should look for details in uh, the next sheriff's department crime stopper. Is this
1: why I got a collect call from a jail in Orange County? You know, I did you take the call? I didn't know it went to voicemail.
0: Oh, well, there you are. So oh, you'll never know.
1: Okay. All right. All right. I, I don't want to, I can't even think about it. We have way too much to talk about on this crucially important episode of T. Yes, yes. And n- I can do.
0: assure you, nothing uh, that happened in Orange County is going to be of crucial
1: importance. Okay. I'm good. That's good to know. Um, so we've established you would be a terrible queen. I would probably not be a good one either. We wouldn't be oh, good at any of this. This God. is the bloom where you're planted episode, is really what I'm calling this. But let's look at some more party uh, people responses. Elkie Jarboe says um, Christopher, I adore you utterly. Uh oh. And I think you make a very competitive case. But, but, I have to vote for Eric. He is so kind and compassionate, and we desperately need a whole lot more of that in politics.
0: Well, that's actually true. Yes, of course
1: it is, smoking craters guy.
0: It isn't, (laughs) isn't, but that wouldn't be about people responding to people who needed me to be kind and compassionate (laughs) to them. That would be about responding to people who were insisting on doing stuff that I had asked them not to do repeatedly.
1: Right, absolutely. Ask
0: Jordan and the people at the VFW Hall. I'm
1: going to stay away from that. I want my hands clean of that mess. Um, Patricia Seneville is going with me because I'm younger and taller. Smaller. so there's oh, that. I think that's a perfect reason to choose <laughs> like Kennedy was great yeah totally uh, Jeremy Thomas is picking you just because of the hurricane story do we want to tell people in 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 a thumbnail portrait? Of what that's you don't remember your own hurricane story. I So I'm from Louisiana. Which
0: hurricane story would we be talking about?
1: I believe this would be the epic adventure of your family's vacation to the beach. Oh my god! During Hurricane vac- Ophelia, that's, that's
0: the vacation from hell. The story. vacation from hell. Oh uh, yeah, that's really. How does that qualify you to be a good president, though? I That thing where my sister said, I don't know what you're doing, but it's the thing that you don't think I possess, but which I absolutely do, is to remain completely impassive in a crisis situation. Mm. Like, I'm really actually very good at that. Like, you don't necessarily suspect. Sarah said that to me on the way to the airport. That's the only thing I can think of from that story. I don't know. We'll have to hear.
1: Where is this? Uh, you mean where is it? On our Facebook page. It's in the show notes I made for you, Eric. Chocolate. And
0: he says, but, but who is who
1: made Jeremy this? Jeremy Thomas said this. Jeremy Let's Thomas, see. our Does party Does he say, person. he says. That's it. He says, Eric, just because of the hurricane of, story. Maybe he just loved the
0: hurricane story and wanted yeah. more stories like that. I I am a good storyteller, Jeremy, so maybe we'll just go with I'll write books.
1: Carla Powers responded with, president of what? <laughs>
0: I think therein is the question. (laughs)
1: President
0: President of the, what are we going to do about my hair today? (laughs) <laughs> Eric was my
1: immediate first choice. However, upon reflection, <laughs> I'm, I'm so. But wrong. I realized what a
0: screaming hot well, I is. I
1: just love that this question inspired reflection in anyone. Both would be good choices. Carla says heaven knows we could use the compassion and kindness. There are those words again. Both men possess. Oh, we both have them this time. I'd vote for you both. Thank you, Carla.
0: Yeah, I think we're very caring, kind people. I, you know, go out of my way not to hurt people. I. Yeah. You know, that's the people that I would be that would be in the smoking craters would be the ones that go out of their way to hurt people. Those are the ones I have the problem
1: with. As president, who would you put in a smoking crater? This is going to be a debate question <laughs> yes, on CNN. That's definitely and I
0: would have a list.
1: Uh, Carol Ann Brown, definitely Eric Shaw Quinn, because he's more kind and compassionate about the world. Which
0: still says you're kind and compassionate. I'm more... just more kind and compassionate. That's because I'm older. Penny Lynn Holt.
1: Uh, Too tired to be upset about as
0: much stuff as you.
1: Penny Lynn Holt had this to say F. (laughs) It's the letter F. I don't know if Penny got distracted or if her boss called. Wow. So (laughs) that's a fail. That's a fail. I don't know. Neither one. Yeah, that's what I'm going with, Penny Lynn. Wow. Um, Harsh, but we kind of agree with you. Ahua, As much as I love you both to the moon and back, neither is my choice. You both are caring, intelligent, and above all, honest souls. Too good for the job because it means tainting your soul or selling yourself short to get it done or compromising and not doing something to keep the peace. And that is not how either of you are. The frustration of the limits of the job would hurt you both too much. That's true. And that is counterproductive to both your personalities and auras. In a perfect world, I would vote for you both, in a blank. But in this ugly world, no. I would hope you never run for office, even in a make-believe scenario." Sorry, Christopher and Eric. I know it's not the answer you wanted. It's actually, exactly. I do not actually, want to be I president. Have no
0: interest in being president.
1: But no, I always love you and adore you both more than words can say. You both changed the world in your own way, and that is just how it should be. Can't wait for the episode. It should be very interesting. Oh, Shawl, One thank of you. my favorite jokes
0: that ever was after President Obama was elected, The Onion ran the headline, Black Man Gets Worst Job in World. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it was really... Really, a bad job. It was it's really, really
0: hard, really a terrible job. And at the time he got it, it was a particularly terrible job, oh but it's always terrible, and it usually ages people let's... dramatically. That man looked like a kid with black hair when he got elected, and he yeah. had gray hair and his eyebrows were disappearing by the time oh, he left oh. eight years later.
1: That job will wear you down let's let's talk about that election. two thousand and eight. Remember that election? I do. The economy had completely collapsed. Mm-hmm. Iraq seemed hopeless. We'd been stuck in it forever. There was uh. no path to victory. People were dying every day. It was horrible. Um, Gay marriage was on the ballot here in California. Proposition mm-hmm. yeah, 8. Prop
0: Hate was up for grabs and actually, got, actually passed. Kind of killed my joy on election day even though the president did get elected.
1: John McCain was the other candidate. <laughs> Sarah Palin seemed at that moment in time like the worst it could get. Little did we know. Um, Yeah. The
0: Tea Party was on the
1: rise. The Tea Party was on the rise. Um, What else? What am I missing? It seems like yesterday, but also forever ago.
0: My favorite was that while they were still running for president, John and Cindy McCain went on Saturday Night Live. while he was still in the race. Like, it was just one of those. It was just a more sort of lighthearted kind of delightful. (laughs) Like, Mm -hmm. it was a difficult time in the country. But the it was two honorable men running for the office. I I remember one of my favorite moments during that campaign Mm -hmm. was when John McCain was talking to, it was a town hall meeting, and this woman said, well, I'm not voting for that, Mr. Obama, because he's a an Arab terrorist and she and he said no man no, he's not he's exactly. a good guy i really like him and respect him and we don't agree about everything and right. i think i'd be a better choice for this job but he is not he's none of those things mm-hmm. that kind of honor yeah. i just lord i miss that and that mm-hmm. was really not that long ago
1: no and it just feels completely gone yeah I, it didn't seem to evaporate in the next election. It was really with the entry of Donald Trump. Like, the election between Obama and Romney, where uh, Obama prevailed, didn't feel like Mitt Romney was saying things that were that were live-streamed from the far-right fringes of the crazy internet. You think? That moment in the debate where he
0: started saying that, the, quoting Fox News is incorrect or lying, reporting that... Um, the president had never called something a yeah, terrorist was, attack. That like true. That was the beginning. Sarah Palin was really probably mm. um, in many ways the beginning. And in some ways, while I love President Obama and was really a big fan of his, the um, media focus really had a bigger effect on that election mm. than
1: which one Are we talking about 08 or, or the I'm talking about the, the
0: rise of... Pre- president Obama was yeah. the first media-delivered president. Mm, mm-hmm. Like, it's come to Donald Trump because he's, you know, easier to cover. He's like, um, what do they call it, reality television. Right, it's yeah. all quotes and you can just say whatever you want to about him and they're just there to say controversial things. It would be like running NeNe Leagues for president. You know, mm-hmm. like, he's just sort of this... This auto-generator of controversial statements, which they can run and act all outraged about. Mm -hmm. Um, President Obama was really a remarkable man and an amazing speaker and really good on camera and really, you know, like he had a lot going for him in terms of media coverage. And the media adopted him. He was really virtually unknown. He was a Mm -hmm. first-term senator from Illinois,
1: he, he had was, made an incredible speech was, at the Democratic convention yes. that had sort of put him on the map. And I remember you and I were at some little political breakfast here in West Hollywood. And Al Franken was the speaker. And I don't know if Al Franken was senator yet or just no, running don't for senator. I think so. He was running, though. I think so. I think that's and he why said, he was speaking. I remember him saying, You know who I'm excited about is that Barack Obama. And everyone in the room was sort of like, Who's who Barack Obama? Yeah. And everybody said the same thing with that name. He'll never win Barack Hussein Obama. Yeah.
0: And the, the media really took that um, and ran with it. And. Um, you know, made him the president, which I'm delighted about. He was a wonderful president. I yeah. was never as big a fan of his foreign policy, but his domestic policy was exactly what we needed. We got the um, the health care that mm-hmm. we needed. We started anyway, getting yeah. that kinds of health care that we needed in this country. Some really remarkable stuff. I, he's a really, and a good and honorable man. Yes. You know, like I remember when McCain was nominated, like I'm never going to be you know, all in for the conservative candidate. But I was like, mm, okay. Mm-hmm. Like I had not been a fan of George Bush. No. I felt like he was very problematic as a president. He got us in to that terrible war and was, you know, pretty much like he he got a country in great shape and he spent eight years fucking it up yeah, and absolutely. then handed it off. Yeah, Um And I was not a big, big fan of that. But McCain, I was like, all right, I don't agree with him about a lot of stuff, but I don't feel like he's a dishonorable person.
1: And- there was a moment when you had expatriated or depatriated, whatever you call it, when you went, and I don't know if you were here for this, where it looked like McCain was going to beat Bush in that primary for that that contested election or whatever. Um, and the way I was, the story was always told to me is that a pivotal moment in that campaign was the South Carolina primary, yeah. and it was a robocall from the Bush camp falsely accusing McCain of having fathered an illegitimate biracial child. Uh huh. Sounds like South Carolina, it, right? And, and it sounds like George terrible Bush. politics. I mean, it's it's like early Trumpism. It was Karl Rove, is what it was. Karl Rove was the architect of George well, Bush. Well, and, and, and they all
0: got it from what was his name? I think it was Lee Atwater. Yes, I think that's right. He was from South Carolina, and yeah. he was born of that sort of um corrupt illegitimate dishonest yeah. campaigning style he was sort of the the queen of that if you will and I uh, was a very instrumental in Ronald yeah. Reagan's campaign Didn't and not
1: you tell me he tried to sort of repent later in life or said he, he regretted got, was it the Willie Horton thing that he, he did He got some really bad he got sick mm. I think he died
0: pretty young cancer something or other and I think there was a sort of Come to Jesus' attitude of him trying to—as I recall, I have to go back and research this, but I think he did actually try and admit that a lot of that sort of terrible Willie Horton and the Swift boats and all of the other stuff that mm-hmm. he did was—and the it, the illegitimate kind of uh, campaign— campaigning Mm -hmm. um, that he was a part of. um, I think he had some regrets about that later on because I think he saw – started to see what it had wrought Mm -hmm. in the country. Like Ronald Reagan was about tell people whatever they want to hear and then do whatever you want to do. That was the beginning of a style of governance that I think has really screwed up the country. It's driven up the national debt. It's really – like it's just this mess. Every time people run for office, they say, well – You know, you can have everything you want and there will be no taxes to pay for it at all. And that's just not true. And Mm -hmm. continuing to say it is, you know, is really incredibly destructive. But you're never going to get anybody to argue with you because nobody wants to pay taxes. I don't. I don't Mm want to pay for the groceries. I just want to fill up a bag and go home. Mm -hmm. Like, why on earth would I want to give away my money?
1: Yeah, totally.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Anyway. The the thing that since we were looking back in time— The thing that has been the most significant to me politically, which I think has caused, which has contributed to the rise of Donald Trump. And and hopefully the fall of Donald Trump is the collapse of neoconservative foreign policy, because coming out of the Cold War, which was my childhood, the Republicans were the foreign policy party. They were the ones that were going to keep us safe internationally. And you could vote for your feelings and vote Democrat. But this was always this is what the conservative kids I grew up with were saying to me is like they had the world under control and Reagan stared down the Soviets and blah, blah, blah. That was the narrative. And then the absolute catastrophe of the Iraq War, which they undertook as if it were a Cold War ground invasion of a foreign power, right, right? as if we were still living in that era, Um, led to vast numbers of people on the right abandoning neoconservative foreign policy and questioning why we were going into these big, expensive foreign wars. And that has created an ideological vacuum in the Republican Party that Donald Trump's parasitism filled um, with something that was completely chaotic, largely purporting to be populist, but also very expensive, all the promises he was making. And it has completely sent that party into chaos and a tailspin. And I think they're still in it now, right? They're still in it. They're wedded to this because they're, they're living in absolute terror that without Trump's endorsement, they can't even make a bare minimum showing in the polls, specifically in these primaries or these local elections. So if they alienate him, but, it, but without Trump they're back in Mitt Romney loses a presidential election, right? Because before Trump, the thing I kept hearing over and over again was that the Republican Party was now in a place where uh, it could only win local and state elections, but it was never going to be able to win the presidency again because they just weren't popular enough. Their positions were just too unpopular nationally. But locally and and, and in in, uh, congressional districts and all these other places where they could find consensus around right-wing issues, they could... They could win, they, and 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 sometimes that would include senate seats as well, and I don't know where we, I don't know what's next, you know, and I don't think anybody does. Well, but
0: to me, it seems that the biggest problem that that other party has is that there are two parties in that party, operating at the same time. And the the reason, party. Okay. the reason that people like Jeb Bush or Mitt Romney or you know honestly conservative people are having such a hard time is that they have to lean into the extreme white ring crazy of mm-hmm. the America First party which is kind right. of the other party over there the you know the the one that appeals to mm-hmm. white nationalism and a, not, a more extreme um and if they if they could get away from that, if they weren't being taken down by that primaried or whatever, they could actually have more mainstream kinds of views Mm -hmm. that would get votes from arguably the majority of the country from a much larger segment of the country because they weren't continuing to try and play to that peanut gallery. And right. I don't know that they're ever going to have the will or the intelligence to separate themselves. There are members of my own party that I wouldn't mind being having yeah. less to do with. There was right. somebody who really screwed up. Mm-hmm. The 2016 election, who's not a member of my party, who insisted on running as a member of my party and then fucked everything up mm-hmm. while he was doing it and left the mess Right. and landed us with Donald Trump in the first place. But mm-hmm. like so there are plenty of people on my side that I think I wouldn't mind not having in my party. Anymore either yeah. that are like not about getting the job done. They're about having their uncompromising my way or the highway kind of attitude, which is, you know, I think that's fine. But I think it's the kind of thing we were talking about why we wouldn't be great president, great presidents either, because it it's about having the temperament yeah.
1: to work with people that you disagree with to get something done. That's a
0: hard job.
1: You know, I want to end this on a serious note as we wrap up. M- None of these were serious. M. Barden Meese. Well, clearly, I'm being sarcastic oh, on this, in this transition, I Eric Shawquinn. M. Barden Meese would vote for you for a very simple reason that we haven't mentioned until now. What? Can you imagine the entire White House decorated as Christmasville? Oh my God, that would be so much fun. So your ability to decorate for Christmas is your qualifying criteria for president. But I think I
0: should be married to the president is what that is. That's what that I then I could be first gentleman and And decorate the White because that's who decorates the White House for Christmas, as opposed to Melania with those blood trees oh and that God. terrifying decoration. Horrible. Trees and trees. Yeah. There's um. been plenty of there's been and she's not the worst. There have been plenty no. of decorations of the White House that have been like, okay, well I guess that's you could do that if you wanted to.
1: Okay, so I think what we let's see if I haven't uh if I Oh Angelina Farmer who is always reminding us to do the Wednesday yes. question on Wednesday. Right, by God. When who it's has to be? better bribes? We should send them both to the White House. Won't matter who has what title, since they work so well with each other that it really wouldn't matter, except for all the signing and boring stuff. They can fight about who has to do it on air, so we may still enjoy them, as I doubt they'd have much time for us. We will always have time for you, Angelina <laughs> Farmer. Always, 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 and always. And we will always. always be arguing about stuff on air. Or uh, just in general. Uh, Shane Garner says again, decorations are coming up. Who would decorate uh, the White House best for Pride? Right. Yes. Okay. Once These again, are important question. Once again, me. Okay, Eric Shaw Quinn, Christopher Rice. Where do you want to see us politically in four years? Not us, you and me. I mean the world, the country. What do you want to have happened between now and four years from now? I'm just throwing that out. Don't act, you're great on your toes. Don't act like I. I would done like to say. Well, I was just thinking because you didn't warn me you were going to ask no. me this
0: question. I was just thinking that. You know, the thing that I would like to see is um, a healthy conservative movement mm. in this country, um, and a willingness to work together towards making it a better place, and about some pretty big things that are going on, you know, climate and things in the world rather than constantly focused on um the pettiness that seems to be mm. at the heart of most of people's political nonsense i am i am so tired of dishonorable people that i don't respect being the hallmark of of politics i don't mind people being conservative i don't mind people not agreeing with me it is the the sort of they-need-to-be-killed response to mm-hmm. they-don't-agree-with-me that I really, I'm sick of. Mm-hmm. I am tired of um, reality television being the model for the political um atmosphere in this country. What about you? What would you like to see in four years? I'm, I'm,
1: I'm with you on that. I'm with you on that. I, I, the issue that plagues me that I think is causing a much greater degree of division that is underneath a lot of those pettier issues that we're talking about is that the government is going to have to find a way to actually pay fossil fuel companies to adapt to, to climate change. That we have had a, a taxing policy uh, that has been kind of dogma on the left which is where I sit and comfortably Mm -hmm. Um, and we are the thing that I'm reading again and again is that what is keeping so much of the country polarized is the what seems like an existential apocalyptic fight over climate change you've got states where most of them are under the impression whether it's correct or not that everyone is going to be out of work if we uh, adapt to a greener economy and the New Deal, the Green New Deal, has not won them over. And I know there's a lot of disinformation in play, and I know there's a lot of debate about the science, blah, 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 blah. But I think we're going to have to come up with a more collaborative, government-led way to... There's never going to be a free market solution to climate change. It's not profitable for an oil company to try to adapt to a green company. It's a fundamental seismic identity shift but also it's a change of their business model and i think the government and i think we're a step closer with the climate bill because it's moved away from the idea of punishment through taxes and i I'm, i i'm again i'm liberal i pay my taxes i believe in taxing when the money's going to go for something that's worthwhile and expansive and you know restorative and all those sort of things but i think expecting we're going to have to actually work with these companies in some way and so with that's each other, going, yeah,
0: to get there to that place. I couldn't agree with you. I couldn't yeah. agree with you more. I also, you know, would like to say I I see what the polls are saying and I think Joe Biden is doing a great job and mm-hmm. I, I don't understand what everybody is so upset about.
1: Yeah. All right. Well, we'll end on that note. Then. All right then. And and just so we're clear. Neither one of us will ever run for president. Oh. We don't want to be president. Oh, my God, no. Um, but we really appreciate those of you who had faith in us and um, <laughs> and for indulging us and our big egos and our random Wednesday <laughs> question and buy and
0: constantly constantly reminding you to buy our books
1: and buy our what African our names books. are
0: and buy our fucking books look it up buy the books
1: absolutely and speaking of buying books I will actually be appearing at Readers on the River on September do they sell November. books there Christopher? they do sell books they're also sold out so it's one of those things where I so feel so you can't come but, but if you're going to be there Christopher
0: yes. will be too and you should buy his books he'll be there to sign
1: them I absolutely I'll be there I'm going to be interviewing J.R ward who uh puts the event together the author of the black oh, dagger brotherhood fine. series yes she's also a good friend of mine we'll be celebrating the release of sapphire spring as well while i'm there so yeah so if you're there come join us um and i don't know maybe there's a wait list i think the website is readersontheriver.com <laughs> scholarship program there's a scholarship they have those types of things these events are so popular that would be great the I tickets w- sell out in like five minutes it's amazing i love that and not because of me because of jr ward she's the big deal but uh, anyway uh, until next well, we'll time we'll just have to have our own event then <laughs> we will Eric and Chris con <laughs> Eric, uh, buy our books con bitches on the <laughs> boulevard there we go <laughs> bitches on the boulevard we got no, it smart asses on sunset <laughs> yes exactly sunset smartasses. alright until next time and forever after I'm Christopher Rice and I'm Eric Shaw Quinn and you've been listening to TDPS Presents Christopher and Eric thanks This is TDPS.